0: Hi everyone, what is up and welcome back to the Gen Z Girl podcast. I am the host, Abby Aslan, and I am so happy to have you here listening to the podcast today. It's currently seven, or seven day, what am I saying? Sunday, October 27th, around 5.30, so um, I'm recording this episode late once again, literally the night before it goes up, Um, but just a little recap on my week. If you guys um, didn't know I have a YouTube channel, I do. Um, and that's kind of like my main platform. but um, I just uploaded a vlog this morning about um, kind of like one of my days I had this week. and it's pretty much just summed up how my life's been lately. It's a long vlog, but it was a rough day in my life. So if you guys haven't checked that out, um definitely head over to my channel and watch that cause that would be a great week weekly recap, I guess, for you guys instead of just listening to me talk. but I'm just gonna do a quick recap because my tonsils are pretty much touching and it is like I'm realizing right now how hard or how hard it is for me to talk and like how bad it hurts um because I haven't really been talking much at all as you guys probably know if you keep up with me on Instagram or YouTube or the last podcast episode I have mono right now and I also have an ear infection um and my antibiotics are not helping with my ear infection like some days my ear is a little bit less clogged than others but It is in a lot of pain today, and my throat today has been horrible, and it hasn't been that horrible with mono so far, but today it's horrible, Um, so I shouldn't have put off recording this podcast, but it's fine. So um, yeah, this week, pretty much I've just been trying to lay low, because with mono you're just supposed to rest a lot and everything, so that's what I've been trying to do. Um, I have a test on Wednesday though, so I am trying to study for that and everything, and I've just been trying to take it easy this weekend, I didn't go to the football game, Just because I knew it would be in my best interest not to go. Um, And I know I was supposed to be recording with Katie Haran for this week's episode. As you guys would have seen on the Instagram page for the Gen Z Girl podcast and the Facebook group, um, we were originally planning on recording together but ended up not working out with our schedules this weekend, which is totally fine. We're just going to record, I think, in two weeks. So definitely stay tuned for that. But I do have a really good episode for you guys today. Anyways, and I think it's just very pertinent to my life right now and everything that's going on and really just anyone, it can really, anyone can relate to it in some way or another, I think. So I think it will be a great episode still, but um, it's just going to be all about, you know, perfectionism, the scary underlying truths of perfectionism, how it can kind of, you know, cause a lot of chaos in your life um, and overcoming that pressure to be perfect in your everyday life because I've struggled with this pretty much my whole life for as long as I can remember, and many different aspects of my life as well, and I just have learned a lot from it, and I am not, you know, obviously perfect at not being a perfectionist, which is just ironic to say in itself, but I've learned a lot over the years. I've gotten a lot better in some areas um, and not as good in others, so I think it'll be a really great, you know, deep episode. I am going to try and keep it shorter. It'll still probably be a long episode, but I mean, right now my throat is killing me, you guys. So, I'm going to do my best to just get to the point with everything. So, the quote for this week is perfectionism is very addictive because it is very seductive. It's so great to think there's a way I can do things where I can never be held in judgment by other people, a place I can totally escape criticism, but it doesn't work. That's by Brain Brown. I've actually posted that on my Instagram story before. And I like found it again when I was looking for a quote for this week's episode and I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. And it's just a quote that kind of personifies perfectionism in a way, making it, you know, seductive and addictive. And um, it kind of just gives a outsider look of how perfectionism is for people because it truly is this place um, where your mind kind of escapes and puts you into where your mind kind of, you know, creates this idea of a place where... You can be somewhere where there's no judgment and you can do anything and not be criticized, but that's totally not reality. And I actually have two quotes because I really like this other one. That's also by the same person um, and it's perfectionism is a 20 ton shield that we lug around thinking it will protect us when in fact, it's the only thing keeping us from taking flight. And I love that because I think a lot of people think perfectionism is a good thing. And I know like in interviews, like a lot of people say weakness as your, your or your weakness is being a perfectionist which that's like the one thing that I have always been told not to say in interviews but really and truly that is probably my greatest weakness but I still will never use it as my go-to if I'm ever asked that question in an interview just because it is very overused and um, anyways that's besides the point but I love that quote because that's truly what it feels like you think that being a perfectionist is a way to protect yourself and you think it's something that's going to help you in the long run When in reality, it literally is the only thing that keeps you from having good times that are so much better. So I just really liked that quote and I thought it was really relevant to the episode. So now I'm going to go ahead and hop into the goals and gratitude for the week. My goal is to rest as much as I can. I know I'm literally like not supposed to be leaving my bed basically. And today, no, I actually left my house today. So I have yet to not leave my house once during the day with mono and I know that's so bad for me because I really just need to be resting as much as I can and I just really need to try and rest. Um, I still am going to my classes because my doctor's note was only for one day and I don't really know how to get an extended one. I could just go ask I guess but I just don't think it would be good for me to miss my classes and I have like a presentation on Tuesday and I can't really miss that. Um, I have my part-time job as an econ TA and I can totally skip out of that. But if I'm already on campus and going to my classes, I just don't see the point in not doing my one hour of office hours, so on Tuesday at least. But we do have fall break at the end of this week, which is definitely something I'm grateful for. But to finish up my goal, um, besides resting, I really want to do well on my test on Wednesday that I have and um, just take advantage of my time on my plane ride this week for fall break, I am going to Seattle with my boyfriend, we're going to visit one of my, one of our really best friends, because, I mean, she's really close with Griffin and I both, but um, we're going to visit her in Seattle, and it'll be a great time, I'm really nervous that the plane, going on the plane is going to make me so much more sick than I am, I'm really hoping that doesn't happen, but I know my immune system is at the lowest of lows right now, so the plane is probably going to be rough, but anyways, um, obviously that's going to be a quite a long flight going from Birmingham, but... I really want to take advantage of my time that I have on the plane, getting ahead, editing videos, editing podcasts, planning podcasts, um, you know, just kind of planning out the rest of the semester because it is wrapping up here pretty freaking quickly, which is scary. And my gratitude is having a fall break at the end of this week. Um, We pretty much just have Thursday and Friday off, which is technically just Thursday for me um, because I don't have Friday classes anyways, but I'm still thankful to have Thursday off because every little bit helps, and I'm grateful to be going on a trip and taking Griffin to see a place he hasn't seen before. Um, I think that will be really fun, even though I will be under the weather. I'm gonna do my best to rest as much as I can this week so that I can, enjoy the trip as much as I can and I'm also really grateful for all the rain we've been having in Tuscaloosa. I know it's so little but I literally wrote that down in my podcast plan because I was just like this rain has been so great the past couple of days because I've literally just been on my couch so much that when it's a really pretty day outside, I feel horrible about being on my couch, but when it's raining, it just like fits the mood and it's helped the weather cool down a lot. So I've really been enjoying that because we haven't had rain in a while and I know that's really random and nobody probably cares about it, but that is something I'm grateful for. Having to take some breaks to t- drink some water and stay hydrated. I haven't drank a lot of water today and I should be drinking a ton, so I'm trying to like just take some swigs every now and then throughout this episode. But I just wanted to kind of start off this episode pretty casually and just talking about, you know, perfectionism in my life in general and, you know, like where I think it stemmed from growing up for me. Because it's definitely different from person to person, obviously, um, and how it affects my life today and like how I deal with it. But um, overall, I you know, have totally accepted that I'm not a perfect person. I never will be and nor do I expect myself to ever be a perfect person and I don't expect anyone else around me to be a perfect person. However, there are areas of my life where I still have perfectionist habits um, that do definitely inhibit me from performing my best in areas of life because perfectionism is definitely an inhibitor and it's really, really hard to to kind of change your mindset to where you can stray away from those perfectionist habits, but um, I'm just going to go through and kind of tell you guys about the areas in my life where I think it stemmed from because I think me talking about things that have caused me to have a perfectionist nature will help you guys identify it because a lot of people I think are perfectionists and don't really realize it because I don't think I really realized how much of one I was until probably like my gosh maybe freshman sophomore year of college and Once I realized it, I I wasn't able to make a change with anything until I realized it, obviously. So I think if I can walk through and tell you guys how I kind of like how it played out in my life and then how I realized it, it will help you guys recognize it. Or I don't know, maybe it'll just be entertaining to hear sort of my background with it. But um, I guess starting off, I'm going to start with the one thing that comes to mind when I think of perfectionism. I really think a lot of it actually started in gymnastics for me. So I did gymnastics for, gosh, I don't know, maybe like five years and four years competitively, maybe? No, that's definitely not right. I don't know. I think I did gymnastics for like five years and then three or four of the years were or were competitively, I think. It's been so long, it's hard for me to remember. But um, I obviously was not no crazy good gymnast. I wasn't like I didn't go to like level 10 or anything. I only went up to like level six. But um, the sport itself is quite literally a sport that strives for for perfection and for a perfect 10-0. If you think about like other sports like volleyball, like another one I played, you know, like your goal is to win, you know, and in gymnastics, it's like it's an individual sport in the sense that, you know, you perform your own individual routines, but it's a team sport in the sense that, you know, usually the top three individual scores for each event get added up to contribute to your team score. So, or at least that's how it was whenever I did it. So it's both an individual and team sport, but as an individual in gymnastics, whenever you are competing in the four events, you know, you're judged on a scale of 10-0 and you know, it's anywhere from zero to 10 is a score you get given for the routines you perform and 10 is the perfect score and you're always striving for that perfect 10 So I had this pressure while I was doing the sport and this desire and drive to get first place at competitions because it felt so awesome. Like getting first place was like all around was seriously some of the coolest feelings I've like ever had. Um, Just because you work so hard year round in gymnastics and then, you know, your competition season comes and you give it all you've got and kind of just showcasing everything you've been working so hard for, for, you know, nine months or so. And I don't know. I just think that that pressure to get the ten o, and maybe not even a ten o, but I was always hard on myself about getting at least in the top three all around because I did place in the top three a lot. So like when I didn't, I felt I was very hard on myself. And I was very young. This keep in mind. This was like my competitive stage of gymnastics was like fourth to seventh grade. I would say so. I was very young, and there's a lot of pressure to perform the best in practice, um, even if it's outside of competitions with your conditioning, your skills, routines, and all of that stuff. And with all of that being said, I definitely think that that did develop a perfectionist nature in me because I was always trying to perfect my skills. And when you're in practice in gymnastics, it's always just doing the same routines and the same skills over and over again until it's a new season and you're practicing higher level stuff. And you're literally spending nine months out of the year before your competition season doing everything you can to make your routine as close to perfect as possible. And that definitely, I think, did create a perfectionist nature in me. But with all of that, I that probably sounded really negative towards the sport. But with all of that, I d- also de- developed like a very unbeatable drive and discipline in myself. And I think that a whole lot of my self-discipline um, skills and habits or whatever you want to call them came from me doing gymnastics. But going along with all of that, I think that my perfectionism kind of carried also into... My school life. So, growing up, I have always been a teacher's kid, or at least I was in elementary school, not in middle and high school. Um, my mom is an elementary school teacher, and I always went to the elementary school that she was teaching at. And um, I kind of—I don't think—looking in hindsight, I can see the pressure that I had. But I think when I was younger, knowing that my mom was friends with other teachers, or that that my teacher could go and tell my mom how I was doing directly like during lunch or something like I felt pressure to be like the very best student and I think I also just naturally had that in me even if my mom wouldn't have been the teacher at the same school as me um because it came pretty I would honestly say it came natural for me to do well in elementary and middle school but I think that having you know like my mom is a teacher at the school and obviously nothing against that I think it was so awesome and such a huge perk of my elementary school life um, Being that teacher's kid, it ha- did have a little bit of underlying pressure associated with it. So I think that, you know, trying to be the top kid, um, you know, in reading groups or doing Mad Math Minute and getting first place definitely um, developed some there. And then going into like middle school, I was on math team, you guys, and I don't ever talk about this because it was literally middle school and it's not even relevant now. Um, but I was on this like super competitive math team and you know like we went to state competition we did district competition whatever we met I think once or twice a week before school started for about an hour and a half and we literally would just do math um and we were divided up into two groups of four as like the top eight because each grade had a top eight and those top eight people were the ones who competed individually at and as a team for math statewide and at the district competitions and um my brother was also part of this math team and he's two and a half years older than me um and he was obviously like in eighth grade whenever I was in sixth grade when I was on this math team and he was in the top four and whenever I came into the math team I think I would like when I tested into it I like tested in around like when we did our first test of sixth graders or whatever I think I got around like seventh or eighth place maybe um but I didn't really care about it that much. I just kind of did it because I knew I was asked to be in it and I knew it would be good for me. My parents wanted me to do it. My brother did it and loved it. I made friends in it and it had a lot of awesome perks. Like we got to go to Disney World every year for the state competition. But besides all of that, I didn't really care as much and there were times when I would fall out of like the top eight and I'd be like number nine or ten and I wanted so badly it to be in like the top Four at other times so like sometimes I was really busting my butt for it sometimes I wasn't but I had a lot of pressure to do as well as some of my friends that were also on math team and like being the top four just like my brother was um and then also just like in stuff like history fair I don't know what it was my middle school was so competitive with history and math because I did I went to the history fair state history fair as a sixth grader and I I just, that was like a very long ongoing project when I was in middle school, and there was a lot of, you know, I don't know, there's just like, we gotta get first, we gotta get first, we gotta place, you know, and you just get all this pressure on you as a student for something that, you know, down the road literally does not matter at all, but in the moment, it seems like it's the most important thing on the planet, and I just think a lot of pressure was placed on me, and that just kind of also started developing some perfectionist habits, in school at least. Um, And then going into high school, whenever I was in ninth grade, I just played JV volleyball and I was um, just kind of getting used to the whole high school scene and trying my best to, I don't know, just kind of like fit in because I didn't know a lot of people in my high school coming from the middle school I went to. And that was definitely hard. So I was trying to kind of like find a friend group to mesh into because I came from like knowing a ton of people and not knowing like anyone in my classes. And also the fact that, like, when I was a freshman, I genuinely, like, I didn't study really in middle school except for, like, two of my classes, I think. Um, So I didn't really realize that I had to study in high school. And even in high school, in some of my classes, I didn't study that much. But, like, I thought, you know, I was okay with getting a B, but, like, deep down, I really wasn't. Like, I was like, oh, I got a B in my physical science class. Like, I don't really care. I made that one B, and then after that, I think I only made two for the rest of high school. But, going along with that, I realized at the end of my freshman year that I was ranked number four in my class, and I was like, "Wait, I can make something out of this, and this is like actually a big deal um and It kind of took like seeing where my brother was as a junior and senior for me to like kick that fire in me and realize that because he was in the top ten, like my brother's very, very naturally smart, um, and he didn't really have to he did have to study in high school, but I think I studied probably way harder than he did and um he always hates when I like talk about this because he's just like no you're just as smart as me but I think we both have our strengths and weaknesses but I think when it comes down to it at the end of the day my brother is naturally the smartest sibling and I can be just as smart or maybe even more knowledgeable on some things than my brother but I have to work so much harder than he does for a lot of them in my opinion he probably thinks something different but that's how I've always seen it as the younger sibling and I know some of you guys were dming me about um this episode, when I posted about it on the Gen Z Girl Podcast Instagram um, story, whenever I was asking you guys ask me questions for the end of the episode, I did get a couple DMs like dealing with having being a perfectionist because you're the younger child and you're having to kind of live up to a standard that your older sibling left in place for you, and that definitely was relevant for me, especially like my sophomore junior year, maybe not as much my senior year, but when we were both at the same school and when getting into college and taking the ACT was really important and stuff, I was constantly comparing myself to my brother. I felt a lot of pressure to be in the top 10 of my class because my brother graduated top 10 of his. And when I saw I was number four, which there was like a huge like 20 person tie for number four just because a lot of people made like the same grades. Um, but I saw that and I was like, okay, if I just take, you know, more AP and D classes, and work really hard, I can graduate at the top of my class. And I believe that I had to do, you know, follow in the same footsteps as my brother, even though we're totally different people. Um, I just was taking as many AP and dual enrolled classes as possible so that I could bump my class rank up, which in the end was, was it worth it? Yes, I think it helped me get scholarships in some of the schools I applied for, but didn't end up going to. And I think that It looked really well because when I was doing my college applications at the moment, I was number one. But then when I graduated, I was number two. Um, So I think that like having that pressure from the older sibling, I don't think if my brother wouldn't have been in the picture, I would not have gone down that same path. I don't think I would have ended up in like top 10. I think I still would have probably tried pretty hard. But so much of my drive came from seeing how my brother did and feeling that I was supposed to perform the same way he did. Um, And, you know, like he was someone who went into the ACT and took it for the first time without studying and got a 30 instant full ride to Alabama at the time. Um, Boom, done for him. And then for me, they changed the full ride to Alabama to a 32 for my year. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm supposed to do that. I studied so hard, got a 26 my first time. I felt devastated and doomed that I was going to have to stay home at our community college and because I couldn't go anywhere if I didn't have a scholarship. That was pretty much the situation for me. Um, And I was just really worried that I wasn't going to get that 32 that I needed for the full ride to Alabama, because Alabama is where I really wanted to go. And I ended up getting it after taking the test four times. But I would beat myself up so much, because I was like, how did he walk in and do it without studying and get a 30? And I studied my butt off for two months before the test, on top of all my other classes, and was playing varsity volleyball. And I literally got 26 and it all ended up fine in the end and I don't want to like focus on that stuff too much cuz there's other important topics I want to get to but that's just me kind of emphasizing like if you have you know an older sibling in your life and they you know were amazing like for me my brother is absolutely amazing and he has accomplished so much and he was so successful in his time in high school and college And, you know, I always really looked up to him for that. It set an amazing example for me and he was an excellent role model for me in the sense that I, he set me up with this drive that I don't think I would have had without him. So although it made me a perfectionist in a sense, thinking I had to do all of that stuff perfect step by step like he did, get the full ride scholarship, graduate number one in my class and do X, Y, Z and have like the highest GPA and everything, all of that stuff does sound great, look great on paper, but it doesn't really matter down the road and it ended up developing this crazy perfectionist nature in me. But without all of that, I wouldn't have the drive and focus and discipline that I do today. So I want to emphasize that. I feel like this is all over the place, you guys. I'm so sorry like i'm I'm just like trying my best to get this done and everything and not necessarily get it done because I'm not focused on getting it done. I just want this podcast episode to be really good because I think. It can be really helpful, and I just hope you guys are enjoying it so far. But anyways, um, kind of bouncing off that, going into college. Um, I definitely, when in my first year, I thought college was so easy my freshman year, but it was mainly because I came in with so many credits, and my first year was pretty much consisting of me wrapping up those last few gen Egg credits um, that I had to finish before starting upper division, which I started fall of my sophomore year. So my whole freshman year, I was just like – addicted to making A pluses in a way I didn't really have any friends I spent my time like watching Netflix or YouTube and studying and that's pretty much all I did and then I hung out with my brother and his girlfriend sometimes and I went to football games and that was pretty much it but I literally did not know how to like not make an A plus there were some classes I made A's and A minuses in but those were the only grades I made my first year and it's like, once you get that taste of making that top score, get that taste of, you know, winning the sport, the game, that taste of being ranked number one in something, it is really addicting and it's dangerous. And it's dangerous because that's not what it's all about, which I will get into later. But that's kind of what the taste I had in my mouth my freshman year of college. I was like, A pluses, clearly I can make them. I've got this. But it was also my lower division classes and like English literature and like, just the basic economics classes and I definitely thought that I was going to be able to carry that through the rest of my college career but boy was I wrong but anyways the other aspect of college where I've been a perfectionist has just been um, like for example I had a teacher um, my freshman year for principals of microeconomics I had him again um, my sophomore year like literally exactly a year later for intermediate microeconomics in upper division for my finance major and then I had him I have him again right now for law and econ which I'm just kind of taking for fun because I needed um, three more credit hours to be full-time this semester and I didn't want to take one of my other hard classes I had left um, so I just signed up for his class because I was obviously familiar with him having taken his class two times um, his class this class that I'm in right now has a really good reputation of like learning a lot being very interesting and also Not necessarily being an easy A, but as long as you, like, show up to class and pay attention, you can get an A, pretty much. So, that's why I took his class this time. But it's my third time taking him. And on top of that, he's also the person that got me my TA job um, as an econ TA in the finance and economics department at Alabama. And he is also, like, one of my letters of references for grad school. And I'm also his TA right now, like, one of his specific TAs. And it's my first semester being, like, his TA. And I feel so much pressure. Like, he hasn't placed any pressure on me. I'm literally doing this all myself. But I feel so much pressure to be, like, the top student in my law and econ class. And I'm not even an econ major. But I'm sitting there, like, I need to get a 100 on all my papers, on all my tests, on all my, you know, case presentations because I'm his TA. And if I'm his TA, that means that I need to be, like, really good at his class. And I've done really well in his past two classes that I've had with him. So I've got to do super well in this one. And none of that really, like, makes sense, um, just because all of that was self-imposed on my end. He never, like, placed any of that on me. But that's just how it's been for me in college. That's, like, one of the other areas that I've definitely had perfectionist habits. But I've been experiencing it the most this semester just because I'm in his class for the third time, and I'm actually his specific TA this semester. So I have a lot more pressure to do super-duper well in it this semester. And then um, just because he's like also one of my teachers for my letter of recommendation for grad school, um, and then also bouncing off of that in work. Okay, And work, you guys. I'm sure a lot of you guys feel like you may have perfectionist habits or a perfectionist nature. Um, I have a very crazy fear of just messing up and doing something wrong at work. Um, I've always had this. I've been working since I was you know 15 and that's in like retail jobs whatever I've had an internship before and through all of those jobs little jobs I've had when I was a server I had so much stress about messing up someone's order or the kitchen taking a long time or you know someone not liking their food or drinks and just stuff like that things that like sometimes are outside of our control that we can't handle Um, and even if they are inside of our circle of control that we can't handle it's okay to screw up and it's okay to make mistakes because that's how we learn but as far as like my work, my time working has gone, I've just always put pressure on myself to be the best intern, the best worker, best employee, best uh, co-worker, whatever it is. I've just always wanted to be looked at as one of the top performers or, you know, just the best overall. And that's just part who I am and that's my nature. Um, and if you're listening to all of this and you're just kind of like, I don't really know if I relate to this just based off of my experiences, I kind of like drafted a list of some perfectionist characteristics that I think I have in myself and that I've also seen me I've had I've had them either at times in my life or I have them right now um and then some of them I like looked up some because I was like I need to get like a good comprehensive list so that you guys can really get a feel for what I'm saying as a perfectionist a lot of the time your mentality is very all or nothing based um and that just kind of is what it is. Uh, there's nothing more to it other than perfectionists generally think it has to be everything or nothing. Um, another characteristic is that you don't really stop just because something is considered finished, and being a project or you know something you're working on at work or you know whatever it is, something just because something's finished doesn't mean it's enough for you. Another characteristic is having a very defensive attitude towards criticism, which I have in some aspects of my life but I don't have in others. Another one is like extreme focus on the end, like at the finish line and having absolutely no sight or losing complete sight of the journey along the way. Failing or not doing perfect um, eats you alive because it reminds you of imperfections you have. Um, You are normally your own biggest critic. You're not able to relax because you're constantly thinking of other ways you could be using your time or perfecting something else in your life. You're second-guessing everything and always have a hard time making decisions. Control-freak type of behavior, not wanting to delegate tasks because you're scared that no one's going to do it to the standard you have, um, and then unrealistic expectations for yourself that usually only others can tell is unrealistic. So those are just some like characteristics and traits of perfectionists that um, I know I carry all of those or I have at some point in my life, and maybe that'll help you identify yourself um, if you have any of those traits maybe you can sit back and think about what aspects of your life you have them in so that you can work on bettering yourself to having a more realistic mindset and approach in that area of your life um, and I kind of want to go over what perfectionist habits and lifestyles will cause in the long run and how dangerous it is because a lot of people think that you know have being a perfectionist is just something that you shrug off your shoulders and you say you know like oh I'm a perfectionist it's who I am it's the way I am And they just kind of have a deal with it attitude. And I was like that for a while um, until I realized that it was literally like eating me alive and causing a lot of harm rather than good. Um, And a lot of times it takes for it to cause harm and cause like a block in the road in order for you to recognize that it is harmful to your life and it's actually not good to be a perfectionist. The first thing is indecisiveness in decisions. Um, So for me, I'm a very indecisive person. And if you know me personally, you know this to be true. I have a horrible time making decisions. I always ask others to help me make decisions, even with things as simple as finding somewhere to eat or an investment on something, buying clothes. I'm always asking other people because I just want it to be considered perfect on my end and on other people's ends, if that makes sense. Um, no matter how small or big the decision is, I'm literally always asking everyone around me, you know, like my family, my friends, my boyfriend, and I'm constantly worried about which decision is going to yield the most perfect result and constantly worrying about things not ending up perfect. And overall, that just causes you to make a lot less efficient decisions because you're constantly, the only thing you're ruling making the decision off of is the perfectionist aspect of it, when in reality, no decision you make is going to be perfect or the right decision. You know what I mean? Um, No decision is going to be perfect. So how are you supposed to make decisions effectively if all of your decisions that you're making are based off of whether or not you think that they are going to yield a perfect result? You know what I mean? And a second one is a never-ending cycle of not being good enough for yourself. Um, And I think this is one that probably most people struggle with in some area or another of their life. I definitely do. Um, I just think that when you have unrealistic expectations for yourself, obviously you're going to be constantly doing everything in your power, um no matter what the expense is to get to that point of being considered perfect in your own eyes, and whether that's you know your fitness and your health or you know your schoolwork or your job or your relationship or being a parent, whatever it is, if you have those unrealistic expectations for yourself. You're literally just in this never-ending cycle of, you know, having these super high expectations, thinking you're getting really close, and then falling too short because reality is you're never going to make it to that perfect standard. So it's kind of just like climbing a ladder over and over again, getting really top to the top rung of the ladder. I think – is that what it's called? A rung or a ring or something – but you get really, really close to the top and then you fall off and then you start climbing up again and then you fall off and you just never make it to the top. That's kind of how I envision envision being a perfectionist in my head. And at the top of the ladder is whatever you think in your life needs to be perfect, and you're never gonna actually reach it if you keep the standard as being perfect. You need to maybe take it down to a step ladder instead of a full-blown ladder. So instead of it being a full-blown ladder that you're trying to come up and climb up and meet this really lofty expectation that's not realistic. Maybe you should bring whatever that thing is at the top of the ladder down to like the height of a stepladder and realize that your expectations are a little too high for yourself and you kind of end up treating yourself as a piece of work in an effort to be perfect and that's just not a really healthy mindset to have. Um, Next, I want to talk about burnout really quickly. Burnout is such a huge consequence and a really hard consequence of being a perfectionist Because you never really take time to yourself to take care of yourself or to evaluate how things are going in your life or to just be grateful, whatever it is, because perfecting everything else in your life has priority over you taking care of yourself. So for me, I am horrible with this one. I literally never set aside, you know, me time for myself to take care of myself and, you know, do what I enjoy doing, which I think I do it out of habit. So that's not necessarily true all the way but I think that I really don't I need to be better about setting aside specific time to myself instead of only doing it when I get free time to take care of myself Um, because as a perfectionist I am sitting here balancing so many things on my plate as a lot of you guys are too I'm sure and balancing all of those things inevitably kind of forces a lot of people into burnout because you're constantly worried about each of those little things in your life being perfect That you neglect all time taking care of yourself and resting to prepare yourself for the next day or resting to prepare yourself to be better in all your other areas of life. You're spending all that time that should be spent taking care of yourself and resting on trying to make each other area of your life perfect. Um, Free time and self care is really important in small doses and it's truly essential to preventing that burnout from happening and it will optimize your overall happiness and productivity in the end because. If you do hit a stage where you're at burnout, it ends up lasting a couple days in my experience and I end up not wanting to do anything related to anything at all um, whenever I'm burnt out. So it's really dangerous because it ends up being super unproductive in the end and it all stems from you know, not being able to take time for yourself to rest because you're constantly worried about making everything else perfect. Another thing is a natural tendency to see flaws over everything else which this is like kind of a mindset I didn't really realize I had in a lot of areas of my life until I was sitting here planning out this episode. So you know having a tendency to see flaws over everything else means that in your life, in other people, in your work, in your hobbies, in your relationships, you have a natural tendency to obsess over the flaws and that's your first instinct. So like for me, for instance, whenever I'm looking at, you know, like a YouTube video I just edited or listening back to a podcast, I am never sitting there thinking, wow, that was a really good clip. Wow. That was a really good statement. I'm always sitting there looking for the flaws. And that's kind of the whole point though of YouTube and podcasting. I feel like you're editing it to make it perfect or as close to perfect as you can get it. Even in things like relationships, I realized when I was planning this episode, I was like, oh my gosh, this literally just changed my life. I feel like on the spot because I feel like a lot of times in my relationships and friendships, I am very grateful for those people and I recognize that. And, you know, I practice gratitude, so I do always express that. But I feel like my first instinct, like in an argument, is to just sit there and obsess over the flaws and everything when there's a ton of other good stuff happening on the other side. But I'm just sitting there so focused on the flaws because I'm thinking that it has to be perfect, if that makes sense. Um, so you're kind of just having these glasses and it's just like looking through a flawed le- lens rather than letting yourself notice progress in other people, notice progress in yourself, or just noticing the good things that are inherently there overall because you're constantly naturally and subconsciously seeing all the flawed things about yourself or someone else or um, something in your life. And I think that that's really life-changing if you can recognize that you're someone that does that because for me going forward with that piece of advice that I just gave you, I'm going to implement it into my life by instead of looking at, you know, like whenever I get a test grade back, I'm not going to look at it as the number. I'm going to look at obviously the things I like get right and I'm going to look at the things I get wrong because it's important to know what I do and don't understand. And also in my relationships, I'm also going to implement it by making sure I'm, you know, noticing the progress another person has made and, noticing everything that they're doing that's good rather than you know constantly pointing out the flaws and failures because I wouldn't want someone only pointing out the flaws and failures in me so I want to be someone that points out you know like hey you're doing good or hey you look good today or hey I noticed that you're working really hard in this aspect of your life and I can see it showing keep it up. So that's just kind of something I want to implement into my life and I think that that's a really important one to focus on. So all of those were kind of things that will happen in the long run if you keep up your perfectionist nature and your perfectionist habits. I feel like I'm saying the word perfectionist so much I need a different code word for it almost. But that's kind of everything that's going to end up happening over time because I feel like all of those I literally am going through right now and it's part of my life because I've just dealt with being a perfectionist for so long and today I am like ending that or I am making an effort to end that Um, because I don't want to keep up this, you know, indecisiveness in my decisions and a never-ending cycle of not being good enough and burnout and constantly seeing flaws. I don't want to live my life like that, but all of those things are long-term effects that have shown in my life and are in my life right now because I've just dealt with my perfectionist mindset in nature for so many years and I would really like to fix those things. But all in all, these perfectionist behaviors of mine are definitely rooted in a few things. I went over kind of my background and where I think a lot of my habits and um, natures of being a perfectionist developed in the beginning of this episode. I just kind of wanted to go over some ways to Sort of recognize the perfectionist behaviors and mannerisms in yourself and kind of change your mindset on them because mindset is at the root of all this, in my opinion. Mindset is at the root of a lot of things. If you can change your mindset, you can change your life. I think I've talked about it before in either a podcast episode or in a video, but once you can change your mindset on something, it will truly affect the way. You live your life in that area just because if you can actively work on changing your mindset which it does take active work it doesn't just happen by crossing your fingers and hoping it happens you do have to like genuinely approach negative thoughts with an altered you know positive thought like if I had a thought like oh I'm worried about failing this test then I need to you know start training my brain to respond to that subconscious thought with you know oh, I can do really well on this test because I've studied really hard for it. Um, and that's just an example of changing your mindset that hasn't doesn't have much to do with what I'm about to talk about. As far as unrealistic expectations go for yourself and situations in your life, the way to fix this is to just let things be what they are. And that goes really heavily along with the quote that was in my uh, podcast episode last week with my boyfriend. Our quote was, and pretty much the whole episode was just like based off of, you know, letting things be what they are instead of what you think they should be. And you have to know where to draw the line between expecting too much out of yourself and others and not expecting enough. You kind of have to just lower your expectations. And no one really likes being told that they need to lower their expectations, but it's kind of something you have to come to terms with. And you have to realize that in your life, you're going to constantly be letting yourself down if you have unrealistic expectations. It's setting yourself up for failure by you know expecting yourself to be perfect or expecting someone else to be perfect so if you can just lower your expectations and realize that things can just be what they are instead of thinking that they need to be perfect every single time that will really help you with your unrealistic expectations and as far as comparison goes this is a huge 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 part of being a perfectionist I think this was a very big part of my perfectionist um attitude and lifestyle when I was in high school because I was always comparing myself to other you know volleyball players on my team I was comparing myself to my friends and how they were doing in school I was constantly comparing myself to my brother and thinking I had to have the same you know accomplishments accomplishments and accolades as he did and I think now in my life comparison is something that I ended up working really hard on probably like my senior year of college and my senior college my senior year of high school my freshman year of college I kind of became okay with who I am, and because of that, I learned how to be okay with myself and I stopped comparing myself to others as much. Yes, I still do it at times, of course, because I'm human, but that's definitely this isn't an area that I struggle with as much now. this is one that I've definitely overcome. but if comparison is the root of everything you think and do, like comparing yourself to someone else or comparing yourself to your past self, even. You should only ever be comparing yourself to you and you only. We are all different people. We all have different, you know, capacities and abilities and we all have different talents and weaknesses. There's no point in using someone as another standard to measure your own growth because it genuinely does not make sense to measure your own growth as an individual to someone else whose life is totally unrelated and not the same as yours. And I'm sure all of you guys know that, but sometimes you just need to hear it. And You know, comparison is the thief of joy. I've said this a million times too. You know, comparison is literally... The whole thing about comparison is that it is actively searching externally for things that you don't have or things that you think you should have and it's not even based on yourself because at the end of the day, the only person you should ever compare yourself to is yourself, like I said. But it should never be to the point where it becomes a standard for or a measure of perfection. Because even if you're idolizing, I know Tori Sterling or Tori D. Simone, she did a podcast episode about idolizing your past self. And it's okay to compare yourself to yourself. I hate saying that, that's so weird. It's okay to compare yourself to your past self. Whenever you're looking at it from a growth standpoint and you're trying to look at to see how far you've grown, but it's not okay to obsess over the way things once were because it's not like you can get things to be exactly how they were in the past because that's just being a very past oriented thinker. And it's okay to compare yourself to you, just don't obsess over it and think that, you know, a past version of yourself was perfection because you never have been, never will be, and you aren't ever going to be perfection. So it's okay to use yourself as a standard of measure for growth and progress, but please never use yourself as like a measure of perfection and obsess over that. Um, Another thing is to try to start shifting your mentality to a growth focus instead of like a performance focus. So this is all about, you know, stopping the act of measuring your success based on the result or outcome of situations. You need to be able to recognize the growth made in your journey to get to your end result. And the growth made over time and what lessons you learned along the way. Having that growth focus instead of performance focus is so essential, you guys, to defeating this perfectionist mindset and attitude and lifestyle. Um, it's super duper important and I personally have also implemented this into my life already. I used to be a very performance focus based person. I thought that my grades defined me, the scores I got on tests, how I performed in the sports I played, Um, All of that, I was so obsessed over the numbers of everything and I never was looking at the growth along the way and the journey because I think that the most important part of, you know, completing something and finishing something is all within the journey to get there. It's not about that end result because if it was about the end result then, and that was all we were focused on, we would never recognize growth and we would never recognize, you know, lessons learned along the way. It's all about progress and not perfection. And then, of course, I couldn't be talking about all this without talking about mistakes. Instead of being afraid of making mistakes and instead of being afraid of everything that could go wrong, um, it's really important to embrace mistakes. And I'm better at this in some aspects of my life than I am others, but how could we, kind of going along with the last point, how could you ever learn to be better or grow if we didn't fail and make mistakes? And I know you guys have probably heard that a million times, but it's true. I mean, how could we ever be better than the person we were yesterday in whatever aspect of our life. If we didn't mess up at some point or if we didn't make mistakes, we would never get better. We would just stay the same and there would be no growth involved and we wouldn't learn any lessons along the way. And learning lessons in any area of life is one of the most important areas and one of the most important things in life to me. Kind of bouncing off of that, instead of thinking about what could go wrong, think about what could go right. And this is one that I think out of all the ones I have talked about so far, this is definitely one that I'm definitely going to focus on a lot going forward because I think a lot of times my instant thought is to think about everything that could go wrong. For example, going into interviews, I always used to think about what could go wrong. I would think about how my voice is probably going to end up being shaky. They're going to ask me some really hard and bizarre question and I'm not going to be able to answer it in a good way, and I'm going to stutter, and it's just going to go really poorly. I'm not going to get the interview or the second interview. I'm not going to get a job, internship, whatever. Whenever I started doing more interviews, I realized that I had a very unhealthy mindset going into interviews. So in that aspect of my life, I've already implemented this habit, um, but I think there's a lot of other areas in my life that need to be more focused on what could go right rather than wrong. Um, But anyways, once I started going into my interviews, with what could go right, and thinking of, you know, I have really good questions to ask these people. This could end so well because I could get an internship opportunity, and even if I don't, I just had an awesome interview experience, and I just made more progress by having another interview under my belt and becoming more experienced doing this. So thinking about what could go right, it's almost like, it's so much more exciting, first of all, because you're thinking about something that could happen, and a lot of people may argue that that's getting your hopes up, but I don't really think it is because, It's almost manifesting in a sense to think about and get excited about what could go right. And I think that it's a lot better than the alternative, which is thinking and stressing over what could go wrong, because that automatically just puts yourself in this hole of being scared and stressed Over something that hasn't even happened yet? Wouldn't you rather be excited and looking forward to something that hasn't happened yet rather than being stressed and nervous about something that hasn't happened yet? There's two different ways you can look at it, and it's up to you to decide how you wanna look at those things. But regardless, what you're looking at has not happened before, so you can choose whether or not you want to stress over it and kind of force yourself into a bad outcome or get excited over it and possibly, you know, open a road of opportunities to good outcomes. And lastly, as far as kind of like helping fixing your mindset, um, you have to be able to detach your self-worth from your success. Um, You kind of have to remind yourself of the worth you already have inside of you, outside of your successes and failures, because you as a person, you have to be completely detached from your work and your performance because, If you're constantly finding your value in the feedback others are giving you about other things in your life, then that's saying that you are your job. Like, for example, if you think your value is found in your performance review at work, um, that means that you think as a person, you're only providing worth and you're only valuable in your job and in no other area of life. And I'm here to tell you right now that every single one of us is inherently valuable And we are valuable and have worth as is. And there's nothing that we do in our life that, you know, takes or adds to our value that we don't already have. You know, you just kind of end up adding other pieces to the puzzle of yourself that do add value by themselves, but they don't determine your own individual value that you had when you came onto this earth, if that makes sense. Hopefully that makes sense. But That's kind of everything I wanted to go over as far as, you know recognizing perfectionist habits and natures and lifestyles and I think the a lot of the common issues of perfectionism um, in the long run and then obviously things you can do to kind of like try and change that. So I do want to go ahead and hop into the Q&A for this episode. This episode ended up being just as long as normal, but um my throat was definitely killing me. I ate a popsicle right before this because the popsicle was like really soothing on my tonsils being basically right next to each other. Um, but I'm probably going to end up eating another one after this, to be honest. And this is just a very relaxed but serious episode because I'm talking about eating a popsicle. But anyways, going into the Q&A, I did ask you guys question on, or ask you guys to ask me questions on my Instagram uh, page or the story, I guess, for the Gen Z Girl podcast, which is just at Gen Z Girl podcast on Instagram. Um, and I just posted the little questions thing on my story and I wanted you guys to ask me questions about being a perfectionist and perfectionism, which I do this at the end of all of my episodes that are solo episodes because all the questions I have for people when they come onto the show normally end up getting asked throughout. But anyways, going into the first question, um, I think I got a few of these and just like how to deal with everything you do not being good enough for your parents. First of all, I want to say I'm really sorry that you feel that way. Um, That is really, really hard. I think there were times in my life where I thought that my parents weren't happy with me and you know what I was doing I grew up with my mom always telling me she would always be proud of me no matter what grade I got no matter how I did as long as I was trying my hardest and then my dad on the other hand he would say the same thing but he also like if I got like a B on a test or a C on a test in high school he would you know say what could you have done to do better and I think what he was doing I thought at the time I thought he was you know, saying that's not good enough for me when in reality, I think he was just trying to get me to recognize my study habits because a lot of times I would you know, end up hanging out with friends instead of studying the night before a test and he knew that that wasn't what I should be doing but he just wanted me to recognize that after the fact and recognize the consequence to my action which I'm appreciative of now but back then I didn't understand it. But anyways, I'm really sorry you feel that way. I just want you to understand that for you individually, just like my mom always told me, as long as you are trying your absolute best in everything you do, that is all that matters. You know, your performance does not matter if you are giving your 100% because what more can you do besides your 100%? If you are, you know, doing what your teacher told you to do to study for a test and doing all of that and putting in your time and work for it and you still don't do very well, you tried your best and that's all that matters. Now it's your job to, you know, look at what you possibly could have done wrong or what you could change going forward in the future. But maybe, I don't really know how to go about this just because I always have had really supportive parents, but I guess the best thing to do is to kind of just realize what I just told you as long as you're trying your best, that's all that matters. Or maybe sitting down with them and, you know, telling them, look, I am trying my best. And just say, you know, I think that my performance does reflect my effort most of the time and sometimes it doesn't and I'm not going to be a perfect child in every area of life. You know, I don't, it's up to you to determine whether or not you need to have that conversation. But I think a lot of that just needs to, a lot of, I think dealing with that mainly needs to be you telling yourself, you know, no matter what the people around me are saying, I know deep down that I'm trying my best and that's all that matters because that's all I can do. Um, the next question is overcoming the idea of being perfect, living a healthy lifestyle. And I really like this one. I am going to do an episode on my fitness journey at some point. Um, but I think this one's really important because I think a lot of people obsess over doing the new popular diet, looking like a certain Instagram model or looking like a certain person, having a certain haircut, um, or having a certain, you know, muscular build, all of this stuff. What you have to realize before you go into any kind of fitness journey is that there is no perfect body on this planet. There is no perfect diet on this planet. Every single person is different. Every single person is going to look different when they're totally ripped and every single person is going to look totally different when they're overweight. Like it's just life and there is no perfect standard. And I think a lot of people get so obsessive with fitness and health because people get addicted to results, and um, they're constantly comparing themselves to someone else. You just have to know that you should only be comparing yourself to you, like I said earlier, and not to anyone external and outside of you, and you have to realize that it's okay to, you know, like have cheat days when you're eating. I live a very, very, very balanced, you know, lifestyle and diet when it comes to health and fitness. There were times in my life when I was you know, a little bit more strict on what I ate, and I think that was probably when I had a trainer because I just got addicted to seeing results whenever I was in high school, but, you know, my whole time in college, I've always let myself have cheat days, and you just live a much happier lifestyle that way. Like, for example, I freaking love Halloween Oreos. I feel like they taste different from regular ones. Maybe they don't, and I just think they look a lot cuter or something. That sounds so stupid, but anyways, my friend brought me over a pack two days ago, and between Griffin and I, We finished this whole Halloween Oreo pack in two nights, and I definitely probably ate like 60-65% of them, and that's just been my life the past two days, but then there's other days where I eat really healthy, and that's okay. You just have to abandon that idea of being perfect and realize that you never will get to that level of perfect that's in your head when it comes to having a healthy lifestyle because there's straight up is no perfect body, there is no perfect diet, and there is no perfect healthy lifestyle to live because we all have jobs outside of our health and fitness. We all are going to have really long and hard days when we don't feel like cooking and we're going to have days where we just can't get in the gym because you're freaking mono, you have mono and have an ear infection like me. I literally don't know the next time I'm going to be in the gym and I'm really, really struggling with that just because that was where I let out a lot of my stress and right now I just feel like I'm internalizing all of it because I don't have anywhere to let it out. But I am literally not allowed to work out with mono and I don't know how long I'm going to have it. So and that's definitely something that's relevant to this episode that I'm struggling with right, right, now, right now. And it's like I don't want to lose all the progress I made in the past three or four months. But I also have to realize that I can gain it all back. And it's not like I, I know that I'm not trying to look a certain way. I just know that it makes me feel better. I think I just got really upset over losing the progress and I just need to be okay with realizing that I'm not perfect and there's going to be bumps in the road like this and I will be able to make more progress later down the road because I'm not stuck with this forever Um, but yeah I think the most important part of that that was really long-winded answer but just know that there's no perfect healthy lifestyle and there's no way you can attain or obtain a perfect body or perfect diet because it just simply does not exist um, the next question is dealing with not getting everything done and being okay with it. So a lot of times perfectionism will cause procrastination, which then causes not getting everything done, which then causes more stress and anxiety than existed in the first place, um, which I'm sure you guys know if you are a perfectionist. But you have to realize that, you know, we're all given the same 24 hours in a day and it's up to you to decide how you want to use them. But I think the big thing is is making those to-do lists and making those schedules for your days that are not overly complicated and that are not, you know, too high as far as realistic expectations go. Because I've talked about this a million times on my YouTube channel, and in the podcast, but I used to make to-do lists with like 15 things on them and I would set myself up for failure by making such a long to-do list because What person can get 15 pretty lofty tasks done in one day? Nobody. And having those, you know, unrealistic expectations for yourself is usually what makes you think you're not getting enough for everything done when in reality you just need to reduce your expectations each day. And then you'll notice that you actually do get a lot done because you're meeting those realistic expectations instead of failing to meet unrealistic ones. And the last question is overcoming the crippling anxiety involved with being a perfectionist. So yeah, there's a lot of anxiety that comes with being a perfectionist. I think I could have talked about that a lot more on this episode. Um, But there's a lot of stress and anxiety that comes with it just because you're constantly wondering if what you're doing is good enough. And you're constantly wondering if you're even, you know, going to do something well or if something's going to be perfect. You have to, the way to overcome that anxiety is by eliminating that perfectionist attitude, mindset, behavior, lifestyle, whatever. And all of that starts with changing your mindset, which is, I save this question for last because I wanted to wrap up this episode by saying the most important thing in all of this, the only way you're going to change any of these perfectionists behaviors and habits is by changing your mindset and being aware of your environment and what's causing that perfectionist nature in your life so maybe sit down and think about what areas of your life you think that you know you do have those perfectionist habits think about why you have them what caused them and then you need to like kind of think about the things I told you guys to do to kind of come back from the perfectionist mindset and get back to a more realistic mindset with different things so I think changing your mindset is the biggest thing, I think the only way to overcome that anxiety involved with being a perfectionist is to eliminate those perfectionist habits by changing your mindset and realizing that it is possible to change it and you can change it and you don't have to live your the rest of your life being a perfectionist and stressing yourself out way more than you need to. And that wraps up today's episode, you guys. I am sorry if I sound a little funky or if I sounded a or all over the place, Um, I still really wanted to get this up for you guys because I mean I can literally sit on my couch and do this So I didn't think it would be Too hard, but I am realizing that probably wasn't the best idea for my throat But i'm still really happy I got it done because I think it can help a lot of you guys be sure to leave me a review Um And you know, obviously the podcast is available on whatever platform you're listening to it on But I think you can only leave reviews on apple Podcasts. So if you're on apple Podcasts, be sure to leave me a review I love reading them um, and follow the Gen Z Girl podcast Instagram page at Gen Z Girl podcast. I'll have it all in the show notes. Um, and then also you can join the private Facebook group as well for the Gen Z Girl podcast where um, you can network with other people, you know, like promote your YouTube channel or podcast or Etsy shop, whatever you have. Those are like my three go-tos because they're just on the top of my head. Um, promote all those, ask questions, talk about podcasts, participate in um podcast recommendations and questions and everything um get first looks and all that stuff so definitely be sure to join and get involved with the podcast and i love you guys so much thank you so much for listening um and dealing with my sickness these past few weeks i'm hoping i get over it soon but i'm gonna try and rest as much as i can but i hope you guys enjoyed this episode and i hope you have a great week or i hope you're having a great day at whatever time you're listening to this and i will talk to you guys in my next episode thanks so much for listening bye